All right, everybody, drop everything. We have a crisis here in the studio. Renee? I have no idea how I managed to lose my phone. Oh, no. Considering I needed to get into this building. Well, you know it's on this side of the... uh... Uh, you know, it's on this side of the door. Like, literally, we needed to get into the studios, our floor, well, everything. Well, you know, I tried calling it so that it would ring and you can find it. And I was very impressed that you B-word clicked me without even having your phone. <laughs> I sent you straight just to voicemail. Went, Renee, I'm looking right at you. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Have you ever, like, I don't know, saw someone you knew out and you decided to call them and you like, look at the phone and send you straight to voicemail? Yes, I've done that. Not me. Not me. I'm so loved that never happened. Oh, oh sure. wait, wait, wait. Were you the person, were you the B-word clicker or the B-word clicky? I was the clicker and actually <laughs> did the eye roll when the oh, call came no. in and then got the tap on the shoulder. Oh, how'd that end? I was like, I I didn't, um, uh, how you doing? Yeah. All right. We'll see you never. Yeah, right. You know, I thought maybe you threw your phone away. And, Parker, I, I, I'd like you to weigh in on this, too. Uh, because Twitter is rolling out a new feature uh, that nobody seems excited for. Nobody asked for this, huh? It's funny. All of the uh, all of the headlines said exactly that. Twitter rolling out this feature nobody asked for. I'm wondering how, like important it's really going to be or how many people are actually going to use it because like it has to be profitable for them to even like put this forward in the first place well first of all what let's let's tell people what the feature is yeah so x formerly known as twitter announced earlier this year that it plans to introduce audio and video calls to its users in an ambitious plan to turn the platform into a super app that's why they're doing this so with the latest update to the x app the social network is rolling out audio and video calls calls. The feature is built into direct messaging and works in a similar way to other apps that support calls such as WhatsApp and Instagram. Uh, So you'll see incoming calls on your lock screen, just like a regular call. But some people don't like this idea because they use X, excuse me, they use X to interact with strangers and receiving calls from them would be unwelcome, obviously. So luckily the app does let users control who they want to receive calls from or even turn it off completely. Uh, You can also choose to receive calls from people in your address book accounts you follow or only verified users uh bit hard pass for me me too i don't even like it on facebook i I don't even it on facebook i don't even like it on my phone just text me if you're calling me on the phone i assume someone's dead or in the hospital i know i don't think we've ever maybe once we've had an actual phone call yeah, and that that was like early on when we were being polite. And discussing the show yeah. and how we want to do it. Other than that, yeah. I don't think you and I have actually... I think this is the second phone call because you were helping me find my phone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I got sent to voicemail. Right. Parker, you probably... You're, you're what, 19? Yeah. You're a youngin. You probably, you probably don't... There's do- nothing more stressful than receiving a phone call from something you're not expecting one from. <laughs> You know Especially happens? someone that doesn't call you very often, right. and the only time they do call you is when something's wrong. You're like, oh, no, what happened? Right. What now? If you call me, I will call you back uh, it, it, two hours later because I have to mentally prepare myself to talk on the telephone. It'll take right. me a few business days, at least. <laughs> but you're like the IRS. Parker will come back to you in seven to ten business days. <laughs> um, but, you know, Parker, you're talking about how you don't know how profitable this would be. I don't see how it would be. And... You know, is this one of the features that Elon Musk is going to try to charge for? Because I can tell you what, that's going to be even less profitable. I think it's going to it's what he's been talking about doing is he wants to build X into an everything app. So 
as much as I think we can, yeah, as much as I think we can look at this app or look at this feature and say, well, it's one, you know, pointless feature. It's sort of like that uh, grains of sand in a heap thing. Eventually, he will add enough small features that he will make his everything app. Maybe we'll be dead by the time he gets that far. (laughs) Right. But eventually all these things will happen. As long as he's not adding features that are going to make it worse, I don't really see well, too th- much wrong with it. I think this I think this definitely makes Twitter X worse. And you know it's going to happen. He's going to charge once it becomes a super app, he's going to charge a subscription fee for it. The only time that I can see this being useful is if you are out of the country but yeah. you have like Wi-Fi. internet, yeah. yeah, and you want to make an international call to like your mom like, "Hey, I'm on my honeymoon. We're having a great time." Yeah. I feel like even Facebook yeah. Messenger would be better for that though cuz that that's a whole different app yeah. designed for it so that yeah. that's what i use i'm either using my normal texting or facebook messenger right exactly this is every facebook call that i have made or received has been completely by accident like <laughs> never on purpose exactly oh sorry hit right. the wrong button it's usually an ope right yeah <laughs> you know Oh, somebody I sat next to in a semester of a college class is trying to Facebook message me. Whatever could they want? I'm definitely not answering this. It's a fat-fingered thing. The the, the other funny thing uh, is that um, on top of all the headlines being being about how this is a feature no one asked for, all the other headlines are about how to turn this feature off. So if people are voice uh, calling you on Twitter X, you just open the app. Tap your profile picture at the top. Tap settings and privacy. Choose the privacy and safety menu. Tap the direct message option and change the audio and video calling options. That is too too much. It is. People are just going to start deleting the app. Yeah. Is there directions on how to delete the app? Yeah. (laughs) You hold hold it down until. It does the little shake. Yeah, it does a little shake and then you hit. You hit the X on the X. Perfect. You hit the little X. It's easier to delete the app than to turn off the calling. Exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. And you know what? People are not using the app as much over Elon Musk's first year. App downloads fell 38%. Usage de- is down 14.8%. And time spent on the platform is down 2%. So it's not going great. I literally probably check check it maybe twice a week. It's it's the one social media app that that never really connected for me. Yeah. I'm on Facebook all the time, I'm on Instagram all the time, I'm on TikTok all the time. It just it just never grabbed yeah, me. Yeah, me neither. But but I mean it, it's weird because everyone has their their favorite social media app and uh I mean there I mean I mean there are people out there who still love Twitter and they they don't care uh, yeah. what happens. All right, Renee, uh why don't you why don't you give me a major university here in the state of Michigan and I'll update you on its latest scandal. MSU. Okay. Uh we didn't even get to this yesterday. It was such a busy day. Uh but Wednesday Michigan State released a 73-page report saying that after the Title IX hearing earlier this month that they believe former football coach Mel Tucker did sexually harass sexual assault educator Brenda Tracy uh when he pleasured himself on the phone with her. Tucker said it was consensual phone sex. You remember Brenda Tracy said it was not consensual. Not a big surprise. I think the fact that they fired him show that they believed he was guilty of sexual harassment. Well, Mel Tucker released a statement through his legal team saying he was not surprised by the report and that it had countless factual and legal errors and that he will appeal with recently discovered evidence that he says will was previously suppressed by Tracy. Now that appeal, which MSU will probably dismiss anyone, Anyway, 
Just got a little bit trickier because Ingham County Judge Rosemary Aquilina, she issued a protective order that will prohibit Tucker and his legal team from releasing any more of Brenda Tracy's text messages. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, Tucker's legal team released a number of text messages after the hearing between Tracy and her deceased personal assistant that showed Tracy was having an affair with another married coach the same time she was in contact with Tucker and that she had money problems uh, and they released these in an effort to poke holes in her sexual harassment allegations. Um, and Renee, I wonder if these texts are just barred from any hearings conducted by the university or if they're barred in court itself when Tucker does ultimately take him to court. Because we talked about this. You know, obviously, Brenda Tracy says that she wants to protect the privacy of, you know, the, the sexual assault survivors that she does, uh, that, that, that she counsels. But, and, and I absolutely believe that those should be off limits. I agree. I still don't understand how this can be so one-sided, though. Well, and that's the thing. I think that if there is, if, 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 if and when this does go to court, there has to be a way, and maybe a judge can screen these. Uh, there Redact ha- it. Yeah, there has to be a way where at least the pertinent text messages can be seen in court and the private messages stay private. Right. Just, just in the interest of fairness. I don't, I mean, I think that uh, the judge will ultimately rule with MSU because Brenda Tracy was a technically a university vendor and the phone call in question happened on MSU time. Right. Um, but... I still think that at least the text messages pertaining to the case do need to be um, seen in court while protecting the privacy of the people that Brenda Tracy counsels. I, I'm not defending Mel Tucker. He did obviously something wrong. Yeah. No matter what, he, he violated the rules of his contract. But you need to hear both sides of it. And there has to be some way that that can be done, like you said, while still protecting the privacy of who she was you know, her, her clients. Right. Yeah. yeah. The people she counsels. Right, exactly. Um, and I forgot about this. The University of Michigan Police Department told the Detroit Free Press that they have been working with the FBI for months, um, looking into allegations against former co-offensive coordinator Matt Weiss. Um, he was fired uh, for inappropriately uh, for inappropriate computer access. There's still no word on what Weiss was specifically doing, so it's very vague. But now the FBI is involved, so of course your imagination runs away. This guy's this guy's being uh, investigated for inappropriately accessing uh, computer files, and the FBI is involved. Okay, then we'll wait and see what that's all about. But university officials are saying this is not in connection with the sign stealing allegations against former UM staffer Connor Stallings. So these are uh, completely separate scandals. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Well, Renee, I have a feeling that this manhunt in Flint, I'm sorry, manhunt in Maine, start over, um, is going to be going on for a very, very long time. Well, the problem is, is that they're hunting almost one of their own. Right. Um, yeah. And an ex, no, he, he is an army reservist. And they talked to a guy yesterday on the news who didn't serve with uh, 40-year-old Robert Card, who's the suspect in that mass shooting in two different locations in Maine, one at a bowling alley, one at a restaurant. He didn't serve in the U.S. Army Reserves with him, but they crossed paths, and he said that uh, the the guy is very smart about guns, very smart about warfare. He's very smart about survival, so... Law enforcement has their work cut out for them. He's also very mentally troubled, it sounds. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, there were a lot of details that came out yesterday. Let's just do a quick update. So the death toll and number of people injured in that shooting changed quite a few times since first reported, which often happens in these, um, you know, breaking news crisis situations. Yep. Um, latest number, it's 18 dead, 13 injured. Yesterday, there were reports to up to 50 people injured. Um, doesn't make it any less traumatic. Doesn't make it any less tragic. Uh, but a lot less people injured than originally thought. But, you know, that that doesn't matter to the people who who are dead and injured. Forty-year-old yeah. uh, uh, Robert Card still on the run. He's an Army reservist. But another thing that was misreported yesterday, he is not a professional firearms dealer. He's just a gun enthusiast who, I don't know, likes to likes to train people on guns in his own time. Oh, good. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so the city of Lewiston, I believe it's still on lockdown. Uh, the community of Lisbon, seven miles away, is still on lockdown. Now, now this is interesting. Card's vehicle was found in Lisbon, Maine, at a boat launch. Yeah, so they were searching the waters around the area. Right. And so how do you do a manhunt if somebody has either hopped a boat or maybe he threw himself in the water and he killed himself. Um, it, it, in that case, they have to re- recover the body. So at least people can get some closure and the community can, can kind of right. rest easy. Right. And just the geographical scope of the of these lockdowns. I mean, there are, are, are schools that were up to an hour away from this place that were shut down. Um, it spans two counties, and uh, one of one of the people at uh, a press conference with law enforcement yesterday said that he had a multi-hour head start, so he really could be anywhere. He could be anywhere. In New England, the eastern seaboard, wherever. Land or sea. And my thought was, did he leave his car there to throw him off? Right, exactly. You know, maybe he's nowhere near water. Um, a U.S. official tells the Associated Press that uh, Card was taken to a mental health facility for two weeks back in July because he was uh, he was acting really erratically at his reservist training. Right. And um, his family said that he got these uh, new um, hearing aids and he said the hearing aids was 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 making him pick pick up these voices. So he had a mental health break. Uh, he purchased that gun legally in 2023. I, I'm guessing that was before he was showing signs of, of, of mental health distress, but but we don't know yet. Right. Um, law enforcement, they're at the, bo- at the border. They've been put on high alert in the event that Card tries to flee the country. So, um, And police actually thought that they, they, they tracked him down at a house connected with, with his family yesterday, but nobody was there. So, yeah, um, like we said, be anywhere in New England, could be anywhere on the eastern seaboard. He could be anywhere uh, on land or or in the water. And again, given his military background and training, it, it, this could go on for a while. Right. I mean, they just caught that guy who killed the judge in Washington, D.C., the guy who um, uh, this judge presided over his divorce hearing and, and uh, the judge gave all custody to, to uh, the, the killer's wife. Um, they... Just found this guy after a week, and, and then that, and this, and, and this was just some random guy, right? So, um, very scary situation. And I got to say, I, you know, I don't know how you sleep. I don't know how you relax. I don't know if if you're one of these people um, who are on lockdown. You've been on pins and needles for um, 
going on two days now. I wouldn't leave the house. I wouldn't let my kids leave the house. Right. Yeah. Your your family. No. And you, you stay in lockdown. Right. And and like I said, if if he did drown himself, you know, in the water. But I think your I, I think your theory about him leaving his car there, uh, throw him off is a good one. If 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 he did throw himself into the water and and he drowned, they really need to find the body because. So so at least people can kind of uh, breathe easier and know right. that the nightmare is Which over. may not even be possible. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully this ends sooner rather than later, but it, it doesn't look like it. Um, U.S. carried out airstrikes against two sites in Syria yesterday. These strikes were linked to Iran in response to attacks on U.S. troops in the region by Iran-backed militants. Israel conducted another um, mini raid on the ground in northern Gaza in preparation of a full ground operation, and uh, Israeli defense forces say that they killed Shadi Baroud, uh, the deputy head of Hamas's intelligence directorate. He's believed to be one of the main figures responsible for planning the October 7th attack on Israel. And uh, like we said, this thing seems like it's trending into a bigger conflict. And uh, if not a direct conflict, at least a proxy war between uh, America and Iran. Wow. I, I don't know what to say other than, wow, every day is something different. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of odd because, you know, we, we've, been, we've been wondering to ourselves, you know, eventually the war in Ukraine sort of stopped being headline news every day. And uh, this Israel, this Israel offense, um, this, this war against Hamas uh, really seems to just be escalating. And, yeah. and you know. It, it, I don't think it's going to be off the, the front page anytime soon. Uh, there's another strike going on, Renee, that might actually be more consequential than the uh, big three strike um, by the UAW. It's literally by land or by sea. There's striking a going theme. on. Yeah. It's a theme today. I, honestly, a strike has shut down all of the shipping on the St. Lawrence Seaway, interrupting exports of grain and other goods uh, from Canada and the United States via the Great Lakes to the rest of the world. Around 360 workers in Ontario and Quebec with Unifor, Canada's largest private sector union, walked out early Sunday in a dispute over wages with the St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corps. Uh, the strike has shut down 13 locks between Lake Erie and Montreal, bottling up ships in the Great Lakes ship uh, in the Great Lakes and preventing more ships from coming in. The St. Lawrence Seaway and Great Lakes are part of systems of locks, canals, rivers, and lakes that stretches more than 2,300 miles from the Atlantic Ocean to the western tip of Lake Superior, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. It's the first time that a strike has shut down the vital shipping artery since 1968. Before the union walked out early Sunday, it said that there were still a thousand nautical miles apart on wages. At least they can still make puns. Yeah, I see what they did there. Uh, despite several months of negotiations, the strike was in its third day Tuesday when the Canadian government ordered both sides to return Friday to the bargaining table with a federal uh, mediator. U.S. officials are pushing the Canadian government and the Seaway Corporation for a settlement. Management said in a statement that it was committed to negotiating a fair wage agreement, but that it wasn't ready for something comparable to the big increases that Unifor recently won from some automakers. It said that the situations are vastly different and that Seaway workers have negotiated wage increases well over the rate of inflation during the past 20 years. I feel like a Canadian uh, labor dispute is probably very polite. 
Because Canadians are very polite. They are. Uh, hey, Renee, do you know what they refer to boats on, uh, how they refer to the boats on the St. Lawrence Seaway? They got cute little nicknames. What's that? Uh, the boats that come in from the ocean, they're called salties. They are called salties. I've heard that before. Oh, that's right. You're kind of into boat culture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ones that stay in the freshwater are called lakers. They are. It's Look a- at you. you. You're just a boater now. Not to be confused with Swifties. No, definitely not the same thing. It actually sounds like two minor league hockey teams. The Salties and the the, the Lakers? The Salties versus the Lakers. <laughs> Tonight at Municipal Arena. <laughs> uh, this was a, a terrible story over the summer. If you remember the uh, the death of two-year-old Winter Smith, uh, Rashad Trice, um, he was dating Winter Cole Smith's uh, mother. Um, they had a dispute uh, back on July 2nd, he sexually assaulted uh, Winter Cole Smith's mother and stabbed her before kidnapping Winter Cole Smith. And, and he drove here from Lansing to the Metro Detroit area. Um, unfortunately, he strangled two-year-old Winter Cole Smith with a cell phone charger cord. And then he um, dumped her body in a alley in Detroit. And then he was arrested in St. Clair Shores. Yeah. Fresh, federal prosecutors announced that they would not pursue a death penalty against Richard Trice. Unfortunate. Uh, yeah, and, and and I don't think it's because they don't think he deserves the death penalty. But unfortunately, here in Michigan, uh, um, we don't have a, de- a death penalty. Right. And in order for it to be a federal cr- uh, crime, uh, state lines had to be cr- crossed. Now, I think they were, I remember they were trying to uh, make a case that it's a federal crime because the car he was driving was manufactured in another state. The uh, murder weapon was manufactured in another state. And they he, were trying every angle yeah, possible. Yeah, because uh, let's be let, let's be honest. The guy deserves death for what yeah. he did. But unfortunately, by the letter of the law, they just couldn't make it yeah. work. So I don't want people thinking like the feds are taking it easy on this guy. It's just legally, yeah. legally they couldn't make it possible. But who knows what's going to happen to him in prison. It'll take care of itself, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, even hardened criminals, they they don't look very kindly on people who no, victimize, especially two-year-old babies. So Yeah, there's a special place in hell for them. I'm First, uh, no need to apologize. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitelli, WJR. All right, well, fresh off their college tour, traversing the state, guys here, Jamie's here, uh, did Lloyd uh, stop off at Ferris State and and join uh, the e gaming professional sports league? Because he he's not here this morning. No, the doctor of news is getting his PhD. He said, "I you know I'm gonna, I'm upgrading and I'm leaving you folks behind." He so. re-enrolled, huh? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's getting get himself a real job. Um, <laughs> so I, I got to say though, I, I think that esports gaming league was was probably one of the most interesting things from from your guys' college tour. And it may, really made me wish I didn't listen to adults in my life growing up who said, you can't make a living playing video games. You're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. So you went with radio. Yeah, there, yeah <laughs> I, that's what I went. I stopped playing video games. I just started talking to myself. Well, it, it was interesting. I don't know how much money you're going to put in your pocket from esports yet, but you see those that are at the upper levels of the game are getting licensing deals that are pretty amazing. And you know, and the more important thing, it's a it is a way to recruit students now and to reach kids that aren't necessarily conventional sports guys or athletes. Yeah, yeah, that and, was and, my takeaway. Yeah, from and, that and women too. Yeah, 
people who don't feel connected to the football team right. or that really good hockey team at Ferris State, they feel part of the campus. They wear the jersey that says Ferris State. So that part of it's That's great. That's really cool. And look at the game development. That's a whole other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, they're becoming more and more realistic. I think, I think actually... Most of the money in gaming now is like people watching you on Twitch or like live streaming it where people can subscribe to your stuff. You can push products. People can actually like hit a button and give you money. It's really weird. Well, my my son works in the business. And I mean, he works for a company that makes a really good gaming laptop. And so one of the things he does in the marketing program is he stages these events like right. that with the top different college uh, gamers to show how robust the system is. So, I mean, there's a whole economy to it. You know, I wonder how many schools are giving out, like, varsity jackets for, for like, gaming leagues. It's pro- well, it, they are getting scholarships. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I should have kept going after Mario Kart. I mean, there's so many, there, there's so many regrets to I have. To be fair, this wasn't available to you. Unfortunately, you were born too early. Oh, that's true. Okay. Wow. <laughs> You've aged out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back to Donkey Kong for me. You know, we were, we were talking about last segment, this this uh, feature that Twitter is rolling out, um, where for some reason they think that uh, people who use Twitter X want video and, and audio calls. Uh, it was a hard oh pass. My Lord. I was going to say it was a hard pass for me. Renee, I believe it was a hard pass for you. Yes, definitely. Where is the mute button? I mean, you, you already are getting texts and phishing and everything else. What on earth? And they don't make it very easy to shut the feature off. There's a lot of settings and hoops that you have to jump through to make it so that you don't get these unwanted calls. Well, and, and None in of our, these things are things we want right. or ask for. No, and, and the other thing is in, in, in our business, you might make an offhand comment on something mm-hmm. and enrage someone that's it's out there that's what's going to start. Uh, basically spamming you with calls right blowing up your phone mm, no thank you exactly i mean i don't even like it on facebook when when, so, when i see somebody is calling me on facebook messenger number one it's always by mistake because it's always someone i don't know and then i have a moment of panic because like what's this person calling me for right. i don't want them calling me you know i i i i i want less ways to get a hold of me not more Right. I, I've accidentally called people on Instagram, Messenger, or whatever, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oops, sorry. Like, that's super embarrassing. And I, then you feel the need to tell them, whoopsie, I accidentally called you, yeah. which is even more awkward. Right. It's yeah. like a race against time. Right. No need to call me back. That was an accident. Is there a do not call registry now for X? I, you know, I think it's going to happen. And shouldn't it be legislated to, I, to make it easier? You know, and, the, and that's, I mean, that's a good question because, I, I mean, you got all that stuff you know, for actual telephone numbers. But uh, I, I would think that's all very unregulated when it comes to social media apps. Right. What's to stop these these people from not spamming you on there? Nothing as of right now. Yeah. I mean, I think what's an, what's going to end up happening, and we talked about it um, earlier on, um, you know, Twitter's numbers are, are just in the tank. I think what what's, and I still call it Twitter because it's weird to call it X. Everyone knows I, what Twitter is. You know what I'm sick of? Twitter Formally. Or, or X, right. formerly known as Twitter. Like, like Prince. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think more people are just going to delete the app because it, it, there's I'm a lot there. of rigmarole to, yep. to go through. If people are calling you uh, constantly. I think it, the easiest thing is just to uh, hit X on X, so to speak. And uh, I think people not in this business are doing it. I know a lot of people that are cutting the cord on these things. I, they don't want it know, in their life. We we need it because, I mean, it does give you updates on breaking news and a lot of the reporters we follow. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the first call, eh. 
Yeah, well, and hopefully uh, once they start uh, charging a nominal fee, our, uh, we can write it off. We'll be back. All right, we actually just got word that the uh, this strike has cost Ford $1.3 billion before they reach their historic agreement on Wednesday um, with the UAW, making the Dearborn auto-based uh, automaker the first company to end their month-long strike. Keith Naughton, car business reporter for Bloomberg Business, breaks down the details on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. Ford and the UAW, they finally shake hands on a deal, marking the end for them of a 41-day strike. Promises of pretty hefty wage hikes, solid benefits. It's a, it's a big win, I think, for the workers, Kevin, but uh, Ford's deep pockets just got a little less deep. Woo, a raise of over 150% for the lowest paid Ford workers, some receiving 85% increase upon ratification. Uh, uh, let's bring in uh, Keith Naughton, car business reporter for Bloomberg Business. Good morning, Keith. How are you? Morning. Just fine, thanks. appreciate you being here. Uh, we're just starting to really see the details of all of this. Uh, as we look at them, is this a win for the workers? Is it a win for Sean Fain, or, or could this be a win for Ford, too? Well, I do think it's a pretty rich contract. We'll find out in the ratification process if the workers agree with that. Um, you know, when you put that 25% raise together with the restoration of the cost of living allowance, then it really becomes a 33% raise for the for the top wage. And the top wage is now going to be over $40 an hour. It was previously $32 an hour. And by the way, the workers grow into that top wage much quicker now, three years. It used to take eight years. So on the economics, uh, it seems like uh, the workers might like what they see. But again, ratification votes are always unpredictable. Can Ford afford it or would they sign into something that they're uncertain uh, over the terms of the contract that they can afford or not? Well, I don't think they sign anything that they couldn't afford, but that doesn't mean it won't hurt and that they won't need to look for cost cuts elsewhere uh, to make up for the cost of this contract. Deutsche Bank has an analysis out this morning saying this contract will cost Ford $6.2 billion over its four-and-a-half-year life. But that is lower than what Deutsche Bank estimates it'll cost GM $7.2 billion and Stellantis $6.4 billion. That's the benefit of going first. Ford has fewer temporary workers, so that means fewer raises for them and fewer of them to, to convert to full-time. So that's a lower cost for Ford, higher cost for GM and Stellantis. All right. So Ford's ability to reach this uh, tentative agreement, how does, that, uh, how does that impact Stellantis and General Motors, do you think? Well, the pressure is now on both of them uh, to match the Ford deal. Interestingly, the UAW is having all the Ford workers go back to work immediately. Four years ago, when the UAW struck GM, they kept the workers out until the contract had been ratified, which takes a matter of weeks. So they're really trying to ratchet up pressure on GM and Stellantis. They don't want their crosstown rival making pickups and SUVs and lots of money while they're still shut down. Well, can you explain the, the ratification process here? Like, what role does the, you know the UAW National Ford Council play in the ratification of this agreement? Yeah, that council will be coming to Detroit on Sunday to to you know vote on this contract. If they accept it, which is expected, then it goes to the full. 57,000 uh, membership uh, at Ford, a UAW membership, and then they will have, you know, a series of informational meetings. Sean Fain is also going to do a Facebook Live on Sunday night to give more details 
on the contract and then the voting begins and you know 57,000 people spread across the country in various plants and locals it takes a little time to get that done do we have any idea yet what impact this might have for just regular car customers people uh, who who buy cars well it kevin it's a question of you know how Ford and GM and Solantis, for that matter, handle the additional costs. Do they try and pass it on to consumers in the form of higher prices? Cars are already pretty uh, high-priced, up probably 30% since 2019. Or do they try and find, you know, offsets, as they like to say, cost cuts within their own company? Uh, so it could be a little bit of both. But, um, but yeah, the, the cost of this contract is definitely inflationary. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, this right to strike over you know plant closures and that type of thing. What does that mean? What is the broader implication here? And does it include like I mean I got many friends who work in the auto industry and they're laid off from time to time as they pull the, the automakers pull back on some of their production for maybe a couple of weeks or maybe a month. Is that included in this new right to strike over these plant closures? No, temporary layoffs would not be included, but it's all about plant closures. And that's a, that's a win for the union because they didn't have that previously. It really prevents the companies from closing any factories during the life of this contract, which is important because we're making this transition to electric vehicles. And they're going to presumably, if electric vehicles take off, need fewer engine and transmission plants that are obviously exclusive for internal combustion engine vehicles, and they'll need more battery plants. So this kind of prevents the companies from closing those engine and transmission plants over the next four and a half years as they're going through this transition. This time off, five weeks of vacation, two weeks of paid parental leave, uh, is that substantial increase in amount of time off, and will that have an impact? Yeah, I mean, they hadn't had paid parental leave previously, so that's a that's a good get. Um, and five weeks of vacation is also an ad. They now have Juneteenth off, so there's a new holiday. So, um, yeah, I do think that, that that is a sweetener. The question becomes whether or not, you know, the, the initial asks from the union were so high. One of them, you might recall, was a 32-hour week. That didn't happen. So the question is, Will the workers be hung up on, you know, those what Sean Fain called audacious asks that they initially had a 40 percent raise, a four day work week? If so, that could be problematic. Yeah, but those audacious asks, they led to some, you know, maybe higher outcomes than maybe the big three were initially willing to do. So so maybe, you know, you look at these other automakers, it's a big three, they're unionized, whatnot, but a lot of other companies are not. Do you think the workforce and say the Toyota or the um, other automakers, the Hondas and whatnot, they're looking at this and the workers, they're thinking, you know what, let's organize. This is working well for them. Let's give it a whirl. That is certainly what the UAW hopes. They've had, you know, a lot of difficulty trying to organize the Japanese uh, auto plants in the United States and Tesla. And Tesla is top on its list to organize. So they're going to use this agreement as a calling card. And it's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. Uh, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Just look up first thing and type in one of our names and we'll pop right up.